0: I think if you take out the esoteric nature of some of the words you know we're using, it's really about belief and confidence. Yeah. It's about a, a confidence that we're going to do it and, and then a the belief on everybody who's contributing that um, we will achieve the result we want to. And I think there's, it's, there's power in it. And I think if you look at our history in the two-minute drills you know, over the course of my 12 years starting, it's not like we score every single time. But there's almost a thought now um, out there, and really most importantly on our squad, that we're definitely scoring. Probably going down. But it's not like that's 100% of the time. But, but when the thought is there, man, you, you feel like it's for sure gonna happen, and that belief is very powerful.
1: I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves To create the life that we really want. And I wanna help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. Today on the show is someone you've all been waiting for. You've all been asking if I will interview him, and it took me a while. It took me a while to be ready because I wanted to have a little bit more practice under my belt before I took on someone um, so important in my life, Um, as well as, of course, the reasons why I was a little intimidated to talk to him and interview him. And that's because he's so intelligent um, and he really he really has such a deep respect for someone who um, does their job well. And of course, being such a newbie to this interviewing game, I didn't want to I didn't want to be in my first five episodes and and, uh, test run on him. So I got a few shows under my belt, feeling better, feeling ready. And um, and then, of course, uh, you know, just understanding, you know, what he you know, I didn't actually didn't think I was going to ask him what what we should talk about. But then I thought that's dumb because, you know, we know each other so well. So why don't we talk about the stuff that, why don't we talk about what he wants to talk about? And, uh, and so just communicate. And so anyway, on the show today is Aaron Rogers, who is my boyfriend and, um, a phenomenal football player. And, um, I hope that you get to know him better. I hope that, um, you're inspired by him and uh, how he's lived his life and the mindset and um, the tips and tricks he uses to um, be more confident or to, um, to do a better job on the field um, and to live a better life and be happier. And uh, it, was, it was really fun. I, I learned a few things myself. So um, I hope today's episode does the same thing for you and uh, you have fun listening to it. So thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. It is harder to interview somebody you know really well. But do you? Well, I mean, I think that I will probably learn some things today. Uh, I,
0: think, I think you know me pretty well.
1: But I know you pretty well, so it gets hard to know exactly where the line is, and also um, where to start. Like, where do you start? And sometimes it's easier from the outside looking in. And then there's all there's also this intelligence intimidation, where you're so smart, and you have a deep respect for those who are have their thoughts collected and give a really good interview with great insightful questions that are respectful. So that's why I was worried. So I thought we'd start with intelligence then. Okay. <laughs> and how, you like when did you first know that you were really smart? For those who don't know, Aaron is very smart.
0: I was on Jeopardy, yes. Celebrity Jeopardy. That,
1: that was the first course. time you knew?
0: No. Uh... I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say when you know you're smart. I mean, there has to be some sort of comparison, I think, because when you're young, it's just kind of normal that you remember things well and you you know statistics and you know math and reading and I think you don't really realize your level until there's you're in school and there's a comparison to other kids or um, there was a. A group back in the day called Gifted and Talented Education, or GATE, and I'm sure that it could be manipulated in today's day and age. And you could just pay somebody the proper amount of money to get your kid and GATE. There was a tag as well, which is like talented and gifted. So there are a couple, you know, programs like that for uh, smart kids. I felt like, uh, you know, we definitely didn't have the money to pay anybody had that been an option to get me in these classes. But twice a week I went over to a different uh, school and there were some other kids from the area and we had like a, you know, a few hours of um, alternative uh, studies, you know. We had a different uh, syllabus. Um, So it was during those times where I learned. Uh, how to play chess, I learned uh, weather, I learned about Greek mythology, you know, this is like in second and third grade when we're talking about, you know, uh, different types of topics than those in regular classes, and, um, you know, a lot of stuff I learned in those classes stuck with me, and it was just a different type of experience, I think I really just did that second, third, and maybe fourth grade, and then, then didn't do that anymore do you feel like it continued
1: to separate you obviously you get put into gate because you're gifted and talented what's the e education thank you um but does that feel like it pulled you further apart like the gap gap got wider I mean, you're talking about Greek mythology. I don't even know about Greek mythology, and I'm kind of interested in it. And I'm 37.
0: Well, it's fascinating. You know, some good <laughs> stories about everything. They've made some movies about it. You, you know, you watch uh, some of these. You know, Clash of the Titans. Uh-huh. You know, had some mythological references. There's a lot of references in uh, Marvel. You know, the uh, you know with the um, the all the superheroes and stuff, and Thor and. You know, that's a different set of mythology, but you know, all that stuff is rooted in actual mythology. So it's not just way out of left field. Um, I don't know that I felt separated from my class. I definitely knew I had a retention level um, of information. I used to play this uh, game as a kid called Stratomatic. And my first set was a 1970 set. And basically what it was was a, a board game you could play by yourself. Or play against somebody, and it was based on uh, you would roll dice, um, and they would have a corresponding um, result from the dice. So it was it was a baseball game, and so I spent you know my sick days or some days in the summer playing Stratomatic. I remember for Christmas and probably 1990, I got the 1989 set, which the 89 baseball set included the two teams who were the best teams that year which were the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants and I was growing up in Northern California um, perfect and you would remember that also by the terrible earthquake that happened the you know the, the, the earthquake that you know collapsed a lot of the bridges the Bay Bridge
1: I lived um, in Illinois we didn't get that information. well it was a big deal on the West coast
0: <laughs> so anyway you know playing this game I learned uh, multiplication and because I had to figure out batting averages and earn run averages and um, on-base averages. Um, so math always came pretty easy to me in numbers and percentages and fractions and ratios and all that stuff. And I learned, you know, at five and six, you know, I could I could retain the information. I could remember what Tony Perez's batting average was. And I could remember what 3-8 corresponded to on his specific card. So if year old, a three, and then also a you know, an eight. I knew there was a, you know that was a home run for Tony Perez on his card. So whenever I was rolling, I wanted a three eight. You know, or Kevin Mitchell. You know, two twelve was you know his big home run. It's funny
1: that you still remember.
0: I'm not sure if that's correct. I'm just <laughs> showing an example of the ability to retain information. I was useless stratomatic uh numbers. What
1: but, does stratomatic even mean?
0: Uh, I don't know. It was just a board game that. Hmm. Uh,
1: you know you're you're playing a sick day. You're having a sick day. You said you'd play it if you were homesick or something, and most people are like drinking chocolate milk and watching cartoons. And you're playing Stratomatic
0: and watching uh, one of the all-time greatest TV shows, The Price Is Right, of with course. Bob Barker. So that was ten o'clock was the Price Is Right. I love 10 that Ten to show. eleven. And then, you know, then the soaps would come on, you know, oh, as yeah. the world Did you watch and... some soaps? No, 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 no. I was playing Stratomatic at that point.
1: Did you have kids that would cheat off of you in school?
0: Uh, they probably would have wanted to, yeah.
1: Did you let them?
0: No. No, I wasn't. I wasn't into that.
1: You're a very upstanding man. I can't imagine that you'd be okay with that. What about a girl? What if you like had a crush on a girl and she was like...
0: Oh, I definitely let her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: Um, how did, when did you start watching Jeopardy? Uh,
0: we would go to my grandparents uh, in the summertime for we would call it a week. Uh, it's like each grandkid had, a, had their week and kind of started when you were maybe five or six And you got, you know, it wasn't a week, it was usually, you know, two to four days usually. And um, if it was weekdays, you know, grandma and grandpa were watching Jeopardy. So we were watching Jeopardy. So you got used to seeing Alex up there and um, can't say, you know, wouldn't have got any of the questions right. But I do remember enjoying listening and learning and trying to follow what the questions were and, why they were asking him in a silly way, and why you were answering in the form of a question. And from that point forward, I wanted to be on Jeopardy, and finally you got a chance.
1: replying to your grandparents in the form of questions.
0: No, I didn't do that. I don't think I understood the question part. <laughs>
1: um, and crosswords—that's another thing. I look. I appreciate your help with the crosswords when I show some interest to. Hey, maybe I'll. Maybe I'll try one or do you need any advice? I mean, you you asked me about the cooking questions and the food questions and I, and I do okay in that area, but I've never finished a crossword puzzle because I think they're insanely hard and it's a totally different brain function. Um, you, of course, do crosswords every day. How many crosswords a week do you do?
0: <clears throat> I try all the ones on my New York Times app mm-hmm. and... You know, I might try a local one if I would get my hands on a paper uh, in Green Bay. Um, I enjoy the USA Today ones as well. And then I'll go back and do some archived ones Archives. from time to time. And yeah. the New York Times app, it, it has some archived ones. Yeah. So you can go back, you know, five years. And So I like to go down the Mondays and go down the Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. The Mondays are the easiest ones. And then it gets a little harder during the week.
1: Right. I can't do Mondays. So you probably do like 8 to 12 a week. Yeah, probably. And I've done zero. How long have you been doing crossword puzzles?
0: For a long time as well. My, my grandparents used to do them as well. Huh. They used to do the crosswords.
1: Do you do them because you thoroughly enjoy them or because it helps keep you sharp?
0: Oh, both. Yeah, both. I mean, I do enjoy them, but also, you know, I've had a number of concussions, and you worry about your future uh, brain functions, and I feel like doing crosswords, uh, doing Sudoku... Uh, doing Ken Ken, watching Jeopardy, brushing your teeth with a different hand, tying your shoes in different orders. Like, there's a lot of different things that you can do to uh, stay sharp mentally. And I don't know. I think that's one of them crosswords.
1: What do you feel like? Is there something out there where you're like, ah, I think if I had time to do this too, I could really expand me?
0: Crossword sense?
1: Anything. Anything intelligent. Like read more or… Oh, I'd love to
0: read more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd love to read more. I'm looking at these books behind you here and there's some good ones on there I'd like to read. You know, Steinbeck, East of Eden. That's a, I, have, I mean, I have probably half of these books. I just haven't read them. <laughs> you do
1: have a giant book collection. Yeah. What's your top five books?
0: It's tough. I mean, I I would say I I love uh, Krakauer's work, John Krakauer. He wrote Where Men Win Glory, which was a book about Pat Tillman, who's a, uh, you know, a hero of mine. Um, More than just the obvious, giving up a football career to go to the military, you know, which I thought was very selfless. But the way he lived his life, I mean, he was a questioner. He was a rebel. He was... um, Questioning his beliefs all the time, he was reading like crazy. He was reading Eastern religions. He was um, always growing and trying to learn new things, and um, kept some pretty cool diaries that, that John talks about in the book. and um, And then his death is shrouded in mystery. You know, it was it was uh, um, some crazy stuff that happened around that. But it's a really good book, *Into the Wild*, also by Jon Krakauer, about. Um, this kid who kind of heads off and wants to figure out his life in the wilderness in Alaska and ends up uh, passing away. And a really interesting story uh, because there's some crossover between uh, John's own life being a mountain climber and being an outdoorsman. And, um, and another book that Krakow wrote called Under the Banner of Heaven which is about um, a couple guys who use organized religion to carry out a, a murder and it's the history of um, this this religion that's very interesting book. I mean, I just I really enjoy the way he, that he he writes because uh, there's so much historical context. And uh, being a lover of uh, of history, um, he really breaks things down easily. Um, when I was younger, uh, the shack was an interesting book to me. Um, you know, because you're reading this book about a religion that you grew up in, and it's talking about God being black and Jesus being an ugly you know, Arab-looking guy, and questioning a lot of the, like, westernized uh, pictures of, of Christianity, really. Um, I just love the book, and obviously it, uh, it faced a lot of uh, harsh criticism from the, uh, from the traditionalists, um, but I thought that was a really good book. Rob Bell is a friend of mine, great author, and he wrote a book called Love Wins, which um, was very meaningful to me and a number of people, I'm sure. I um, really enjoy that book. And then, I don't know, just kind of depends. I enjoy reading books on JFK. I recently read a crazy expose about, you know, just unbelievable detail about his life. The most dense book, I literally read it three times um just to try and wrap my head around the information in it
1: this was the loose one right the loose one that was all pages and it had a just you probably went through three highlighters highlighting this well
0: that's what you know that's what i do and people don't know why but i love to highlight and underline in my reading
1: and then you went back afterwards and wrote notes yeah (laughs) it's really impressive there's so
0: much information yeah and i want Um, to retain it
1: well the first time probably did the trick um, you were mentioning a lot of books that had a theme of questioning, and you know, spirituality is something that we connect on um, on that level of curiosity, openness, um, skepticism. Um, for sure, for me, it's it's a, it's an area and a space that I've gone through my own arc of exposure and learning and finding, at least where I'm at right now with everything, but you've gone through what I would call a much more extreme uh, version of that. Like I didn't grow up going to church at all. I think I went on a couple of Sundays with my girlfriend because we were out drinking the night before and she felt like she needed to go to church in the morning. I think one time she threw up. That didn't go good, but that's about it for me. Like probably... Five times when I was a kid, um, until out. huh? You I missed, missed out. out yeah. What did I miss out on?
0: Stink bombs in church. Yeah, I let off a couple back in the day. Um, me and me and a friend of mine. But we, it was after. It was never in the main church. You know, it was always in the you know the breakout groups, your junior high group, your high school group. You know, I was a prankster. Still, I'm a prankster. As, uh, as you know, I like to prank you a little bit every now you and like then. You like to
1: joke with me. Yeah. From the beginning of the day on. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the question about church? Where were you going with that? Well, I
1: didn't really pose a question yet. I was just basically laying the framework for something we connect on, my own like quick overview of you know feeling like I've had my own little arc, but you've had a bigger one. And... Like when you were a kid, you went to church all the time and then went through your questioning and have arrived where you're at now. So maybe it would be interesting for people to understand kind of where you started.
0: Yeah, I accepted Christ when I was four and a half years old. Um, You know, did the on a knee, saying the prayer. Um, You know, go to church. And that's what you do on Sundays. You... You know, go to your breakout group or, you know, your age-appropriate group or you stay in big church, you know, depending on how old you were or what the day was and, you know, singing songs and kind of listening to the message, and that's just kind of normal, you know. Uh, at some point in, in high school, you know, they always say, they being kind of the, the the church, you know, it's got to become your own religion. It's, you know, it's, you know. It's gotta be meaningful to me and to you and to me and to whoever's there and and so you you know you go to a high school group and you do what all the right mean? things. What does that mean? Gotta
1: and, be meaningful to. You.
0: Well, I mean, they just the church uses all this language and code words and phrases and you know as far like as like what? The, well, like uh, born again or. Um,
1: is the born again the four year old accepting Christ situation
0: yeah but i think the, like there had to be another one forward? as well you know there's there's always you know there's always kind of rites that you have to you have to do like rites like you know, like traditional religious things you check boxes you know check marks you got to take care of little boxes you got to like going yeah like going to church and saying the right prayer and Wearing a promise ring or, you know, Did whatever. you wear
1: a promise ring?
0: No, <laughs> no, I could not do that. Was, but, you know, there's, so. there's just little uh, idiosyncrasies in, in religion, which looking back now are so silly and antiquated and not important. But um, for me, you know, I I think ever, most people that I knew, church was just... You just had to go. Your parents made you go, you wake up, you put some clothes on, you go, and you can't wait to get back and watch the second game of the day in the NFL on TV. But uh, I I started going to Young Life, and that's where I met Matt Hawk, who you know, Matt's, and Matt was leading our Young Life group there for a while, and he was the first Christian that I met where I was like, man, like. This dude like swears every now and then. He loves sports. He like coaches sports. He's like, you know, he's an awesome, dude. Like, he's taking a normal, what seems normal interest in my life, and just a really rad guy to be around. Uh, I kind of like, you know, I, the way that he talks about Jesus and the way that he talks about um, what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Like, that's pretty cool. So. I enjoyed my time with Young Life. We did some amazing outreach stuff. You know, we went to Mexico during two spring breaks and built houses in, like, Florido, outside Tijuana, rough areas. You know, we we erected the, you know, from slab to walls to tar in the roof to stucco on the outside. Like, we put together, you know, homes for these folks who were living in, you know, garage door sides, you know, thrown together and stuff and that was meaningful. You know, that was like really meaningful work and everybody that went on those trips, I think. You know, it was emotional and 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 fun things to do. And then you know, when when I got out of that area uh young life and moved on, you know, to college and stuff. Uh there's not really a young life for college. It's it gets into more organized you know, athletes in action or whatever it might be, campus organizations, and I just didn't find any connection points with with those things and started questioning things and had some good friendships along the way that uh, helped me, you know, to figure out what exactly I wanted to believe in. And ultimately, it was that uh, rules and regulations and binary systems um, don't really resonate with me. And so I slowly, slowly uh, moved away from a lot of that stuff, and you know, enjoyed learning about other religions and meeting the Dalai Lama. And, you know, it's been a, a fun path to to a different type of spirituality, which uh, which to me is more. It's been more meaningful. Would
1: you just dis- would you separate the two, being spirituality and religion? Like, you were religious, and now you're spiritual.
0: I was. Uh, I mean, I think. I think both can work for people. I do. I think some people just need structure and uh, they need tradition and stuff, and that that works for them. And I don't mm-hmm. have a you know a problem with it that doesn't it doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. It's it's
1: well, being a questioner like you are, um, it's hard probably in the middle of it when it's happening to identify as that or to see the signs that you that along the way that would've woken you up quicker maybe. But now in hindsight, how far back can you go and identify like, yeah, I thought it was weird when I was four, like, or whatever. Is there an example? Can you identify when the skeptic and the questioner in you was really present?
0: I mean, high school for sure, because I had two groups I was going to. I was going to to church on Sundays, and then to, young life on Mondays, and young life on Monday welcomed everyone. You know, it's like right come as you are, be there at seven twenty nine, yeah, and like be ready for some fun. And it was fun, and we had a great time. Church on Sundays was like more. You know, make sure you dress a certain way, and don't right. bring that person, and this person's going to get looked at strangely if they show up. And you know, again, it's very black and white. Uh, Binary in binary sense, but I don't think it's very welcoming. Um,
1: Why do you think it's like that?
0: Because there, for many people, it, religion can be a crutch, can be a um, can be something that people have to have to make themselves feel better. And because it's set up binary, it's us and them. It's saved and unsaved. It's heaven and hell. It's enlightened and heathen. It's holy and righteous and sinner and filthy. And that makes, I think that makes a lot of people feel better about themselves. Is it, oh, you know, I have, you know, I got Jesus and, you know, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And there's only 144,000 of us going, even though there's 7 billion people on the planet. Uh, And then there's this whole, you know, predestination uh, belief system within the sects, S-E-C-T-S, of... Organized religion who believe that free will is actually does not exi- exist the way we think it does, and that people are predestined to go to heaven or hell.
1: Do you think that's crazy? <laughs> what are think, your thoughts on that whole concept?
0: I just think it's so silly. It's so Why? inconsequential. It, and it's.
1: What do you believe?
0: I, I just don't understand how, how you can logically um, believe that. And, you know, I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet, you know, to a fiery hell. Like what type of loving, sensitive, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of all this? That's why I enjoy the historical context of a lot of things, because you go into some of the the history of the Bible and the language that it was written in. and um, you know, Rob did that in his book, Love Wins, and took mm. some heat for it because he talked about how the idea of hell, and the word used, was a garbage dump outside the city. It wasn't this lake of fiery... <laughs> really? Yeah, and that struck a chord with a lot of people um, because the separation... The separation from God is hell, and that's something I can totally agree with.
1: Do you think that that's here on Earth right now? What is heaven and hell to you?
0: Well, I think I think it's just that it's the separation of uh, of that source energy. So, if you're separated from the source energy, you're living in some sort of hell, I think. But if you believe the source energy resonates inside of you, and resides there, then That's an Eden uh, When do
1: you feel the most connected and the most disconnected to source energy?
0: Uh, I'm probably the happiest when I'm, most connected when I'm in nature. Um, You know, it's just uh, the scientific part of it is the connection between your body and the earth is a a balancing effect, um, which I know you've talked about in here before.
1: Grounding. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, the disconnect. I think is when, is when you uh, just kind of can't settle your mind. You know. I think that's that's the the biggest when the ego overtakes the the calm. That's when I feel disconnected.
1: When does that peak the most?
0: When you're yelling at me. <laughs>
1: I know I do. I do get loud, and I'm sorry for that.
0: No, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I think I don't feel that disconnected most days or most times or really a lot. I think the key is finding that calm and finding that balance and developing good practices. You know, daily habits are really important. You know that um
1: what are what are a few daily habits that are really important to you
0: well i've been you know or regular habits yeah i mean i think you're always growing i think that's the most important thing i do enjoy starting the day off and this is a new one for me i I showed you my five things i'm trying to you know i enjoy practicing new mantras or or uh ideas or thing reminders and One of them was about being amazing and doing something really uncomfortable and doing something for somebody who can never repay you Um, and then changing a daily habit and then being amazing. That was like a five uh, to-do list every day. day. So that's been...
1: How easy has it been to do the one where you get uncomfortable?
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) What's the one that you remember? You're
1: like, that was the most uncomfortable when I rode with you in a car and we, no, what was like, can you remember yeah, one that was. Yeah, with you in a car and not <laughs> say
0: anything about your. Not your, trying to give
1: you answers. Come on. I'm trying yeah. to make fun of myself. I mean, driving over roundabouts is fine as long as the curb's not too big. Um, but what are some things that you've done where you're like, good job. Good job, me. That was not comfortable.
0: Well, a lot of it's just uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Um, and I think in general, People and men sometimes have a hard time apologizing. Um,
1: sometimes girls do, too.
0: Yeah, definitely do. Didn't want to say that, but yeah. yeah uh,
1: I'm pretty open.
0: So just realizing how your energy and your attitude can affect other people. So, you know, you got uh, 63 just alpha ego personalities at work, and that's just the players, not even the coaches. So, <laughs> you know, apologizing. Um to your teammates can be tough sometimes or you think it's unnecessary or maybe I didn't affect that person, you know, like, what but, uh, the language of apology is the language of connection and love. And, um, I found some pretty cool when you do apologize to a guy. When I do? Well, that doesn't happen a oh, whole lot, okay. but when, when for me, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those uncomfortable things sometimes yeah. where, um, you try and sense a situation how it is energetically and, um, doing you know doing that uh, uncomfortable like oh man I don't feel like I need to apologize every time you do some That's great feel. energetic thing happens and connection with a teammate or a coach and yeah I did that. I'm glad I did that glad I apologize does it Maybe.
1: always feel better afterwards
0: not all the time but uh-huh. most of the time yeah like I uh was saying something to a teammate and and I enjoy a good, as you know, a good debate. Uh, and we were kind of talking, and it got into it. And I felt really good about my point, which I'm sure you're not surprised. <laughs> at, but I felt like I was making sense. And, I mean, if
1: you felt really good about it, that's saying something.
0: And getting some, you know, some uh, justification from some other guys who were kind of listening to the conversation. After the conversation, I just thought about it from his perspective, and I thought, man, I hope. He didn't feel like I was getting it up on him or trying to be little him. And but were you? Like,
1: trying... Were you?
0: No, I was You're just, just trying, trying to make the, a good point. I was just feel like I was dropping some knowledge at that point.
1: Why did you need help? From who? You said you had all kinds of teammates. It was more and... like
0: they were co-signing. <laughs> they were like, okay. "Yeah, you know." Okay. And I was like, "Yeah." So
1: yeah. it was like playing dice, and everybody's around in a circle. But instead, this was right. a great debate.
0: So I just, I just said, "This will be my uncomfortable thing of the day. I'm just gonna." I'm going to give him a really, really good apology, even though I I don't know if I need to, you know, like, and I don't want to make things uncomfortable at all, or maybe him be like, hey, stop it. Don't apologize. You know, then I apologize and it was like, it was warranted. Good. So I kind of checked myself like, okay, good. That was, that was important thing to follow through on
1: you are a very much an energetic ball like your your energy can it it affects the entire room good or bad like it's very present yeah it can be bad it can it's very powerful but you also have an incredible ability to notice other people's and so your your energy antenna is super on. Um, it's very frustrating. No, it's actually not frustrating. It's just, it's just, eh, eh. it can be more work like for us because, I mean, I remember riding in a car, I remember riding in the car one time and you made, you said something. And then I instantly had a thought and I just turned right and looked out the window and you were driving and you go, what, what just happened? What's wrong? And I was like, can't I be with my, my thoughts for just a second without you asking? And, of course, then the open me comes out, and I'm like, it's fine. And then I'm like, well, actually, you know, right? Because I, I almost always say, like, most of the time I say nothing you have at some, first.
0: You have some total tells. When you say fine, it is not fine.
1: It is not fine. What is fine saying for? Uh,
0: something insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> So frantic
1: frantic um so you know you can feel that but you can feel that with other people I'm sure too. Yes. It's just a really useful tool I would think, but it's also work. How like how early did you notice that about yourself where you could just and that's a bit of a harder one cuz I don't feel like we talk about that, right? Mm. You don't talk about like, oh, I feel your energy, especially like, going to church you're not talking about I mean you know you're probably not using the language of spirituality and energy when you're you know when you're in that kind of an environment but it's so there have has it always Has it did it go unnoticed for a really long time
0: I always found myself in leadership positions growing up in sports you know I wanted to be forward or goalie in soccer I wanted to be on the mound pitching we're playing shortstop. I wanted to be point guard in basketball. Um, you know, I want to be quarterback, obviously, in football. Um, I think that desire to be a leader, I understood at an early age some of the responsibilities about raising the level of your teammates' play and being in tune with how the team is melding together and knowing when emotion can really add to the... Um, the moment and the squad and the morale um so i understood that at a young age and then i was never never a rah-rah guy never a big get in front of the team and speak i just um, i just saw other people were really good at it and knew that i would sometimes in the situations and i just got nervous because i didn't want to say the wrong thing and so i think that allowed me to you know, to really tune in to the energy part, and you know, when you don't have a understanding of spiritual things, you call it like uh, mood, and you call it uh, vibe. You know, you call you call it
1: uh, gut instinct.
0: Yeah, gut instinct. Yeah, yeah. And so you're, you always felt like I had a you know good gut instinct, the right. thing I knew kind of what to say in the, in the right moments or how to act or who needed, you know, mm-hmm. pat on the butt and who needed smack on the head, you know, like who, how you needed to respond to certain guys. And I took a fun, uh, I always, you know, I tell the story time to time. I took a fun coaching class when I was at junior college. It was taught by Russ Critchfield, who was the uh, basketball coach at Butte. And he might still be to this day, um, but it was a fun, I really enjoyed that class because it, it put... Kind of words and psychology um, and terms to a lot of stuff that I knew, kind of intrinsically um, about how to how to lead, how to be accountable, how to look for uh, ways to inspire guys, how to motivate, try and motivate people. Um, because it's all about coaching. It's all about how to coach uh, better and. Coaching is a term associated with sports, but there's coaching in life. And, yeah. and it's really just how to figure out what buttons your friends or teammates or coworkers or whatever respond to best. And their responsibility falls on using that the right way. Like not uh, you know, pushing your buttons because I know which buttons get you, ignite you and which ones don't. It's too easy sometimes. Right?
1: <laughs> well, that's because your antenna is super tuned in. Um, for me, this this really transitions easy to an aspect of your game which everyone finds phenomenal. I find it as well, um, but I know you so well I can kind of get to this spot where how, you know, the two minute you know, two minutes at the end of the game and you start making the calls and it's almost like i can i don't know i feel like everyone can almost feel that you know it's going down like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna come through and you're gonna get whatever it is that you need whether field goal range or touchdown to either tie it up or win the game like you're you're the most clutch player ever and i feel you know your mental shift into a new space You you know, there's a sense for that. Can you feel that? Yes. What does it feel like?
0: Calm. Yeah, very calm. Um, When I was six, no, I guess I would have been five. I was five, and I watched Joe Montana take the Niners down the field against the Bengals and threw a touchdown to John Taylor for the win. And I remember thinking that's what I wanted to do. You know, then fast forward um fourteen and I'm watching MJ, Michael Jordan, last game with the Bulls. And you know, he crosses up Russell at the foul line and drains a mid range shot. And that's what I always said, like, I wanna do that. Like I want the ball and the clutch moments and
1: you realize most people don't think that. Like a lot of people would be overwhelmed I mean, at they thought me, of that. I don't. to me, that
0: just seems normal. I think people would want to be Well, they want to positions. be great, but they
1: don't probably think it's possible. So, you know, you, yeah, so, you think to yourself, I want the ball. But you believe you can do it. That's the difference.
0: Well, you have to do it first. You know, I think my first year started in 2008. Um, we didn't finish off a lot of those games. Now we scored on a few possessions and then um, didn't stop them a couple of times, um, but we weren't uh, really efficient. And we got better from that moment on. I think over the years, when I first started having two minute drills, you know, I distinctly remember you know two huge ones my sophomore year, JV. We beat uh, Enterprise. I hit my best friend uh, in high school, Ryan Gobranson. Um on a post route for a touchdown and then we beat Chico high our rivals on a big 90-yard drive 90 90? we, yeah we we're backed <laughs> up and drove all the way down and I hit Ryan on a slant route for a touchdown um, but in those moments you just you know even at a young age the confidence um, was we were going to do this and I think when it becomes an expectation Really, it's, it transcends expectation. It's more of a manifestation, you know. I think you just have a supreme belief that you're going to get it done. And like uh, Manny wrote in our QB room, you know, guy said this at one point. I said, "Speak shit to life." And
1: what does that mean?
0: It just means talking things into existence. Mm-hmm. Creating, oh, yeah. Creating a uh,
1: thoughts become things. Yeah, I say that all the time.
0: Creating a organizational zeitgeist that um, is constantly manifesting positive things to happen, and I think there's power in in that. I think if you take out the esoteric nature of some of the words you know we're using, it's really about belief and confidence. Yeah, it's about a, a confidence that we're going to do it, and and then a the belief on everybody who's contributing that. Um, we will achieve the result we want to. And I think there's it's, there's power in it. And I think if you look at our history in the two-minute drills you know, over the course of my 12 years starting, it's not like we score every single time. But there's almost a thought now um, out there and really most importantly on our squad that we're definitely scoring.
1: Probably going down.
0: But it's not like that's 100% of the time. But but when the thought is there, man, you, you feel like it's for sure going to happen. And that belief is very powerful. Mm. Uh, That's
1: expanded into more than the last two minutes. Like, you know, I obviously watch all the games and there'll be five minutes left in the game and you're down by what seems like, you know, probably something that you're not going to come back from. And the, the guys commentating on, on, the sh- on the game are like, well, but you never count them out. I mean, you just never know. They all say that. You have earned that. You have done it. You have manifested that ability.
0: It helps, yeah. If everybody in the stands is pulling in the same direction,
1: how does that feel? The people in the stands. How does that affect
0: you? I think it'd be extremely positive. Yeah, yeah I think it can. I think from a, a sheer entertainment factor, um, I you know I do go into a game knowing that there's multiple people thousands of people probably in the stands who've never seen me play. And I heard Michael Jordan say this, uh, say this years ago about motivational things that he, uh, that he uses, and so I'm stealing it from him. Um, but he said, there's people in the crowd that have never seen me play in person. And I wanna put on a show every time I take the court. And I was that kid in 1998, I was sitting in the top row of Arco Arena and got to go to, in Sacramento and got to watch him play in his last season with the Bulls, and he scored 30. And, you know, they won by 30. I think it was like, you know, 101-71 or something. Maybe that score's probably off, but but I do know he scored 30. In the, it's yeah.
1: nothing like winning by 100 when you were in basketball true. when you were in sixth grade or anything, you know.
0: But I think there's that pride of performance, that knowing that there's people that haven't seen you play, so put on the show.
1: Do you ever stop and go like, Damn, that was pretty good. Like for example, when you threw your perfect game, you weren't like, yeah, that was, you're like, yeah, you know, I mean, you are somewhat dismissive of it. So are there still, are you able to impress yourself? Are you able to even like go, wow, I can't even, I can't believe I can even do that on some level, like where is my, where is my headspace that allows me this, super ability
0: I think you have to have that otherwise you're gonna be living in this world where you're just not happy and nothing is fulfilling mm-hmm. or enjoyable and I, I never want the joy of the game to be robbed um, based on unreal expectations or um, a need to be stoic all the time and to feel like I have it all together and I'm not going to show any emotion um, no, I love, I love celebrating, showing emotion, and.
1: But do you feel it? I definitely feel okay. it.
0: No, I definitely feel it. I think you know, there's times where, you make plays that, are special. But they maybe don't feel special because, you know, either you've visualized that or, done it before in practice or done it before in another situation and didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was over the top, amazing, and then there's some times where you're like. That was pretty fucking good. That was that was pretty amazing.
1: What are you? What's the like your most proud moment?
0: Well, a couple of the Hail Marys. You know, I just feel like, you know, the one in Arizona, um, that throw was a special one because I'd done something similar to that in practice probably years before, but to harness that energy and the timing and to get it right and to be able to throw a ball that got in there. area. Now Jeff Janis made an amazing catch, you know, and and. If he doesn't make the catch it's a it's a nothing. Um play. We'd lose a game twenty thirteen and nobody really talks about it, the fact that, you know, it's one of the greatest playoff first wild card playoff games ever. But um because he did catch it, the play gets obviously a lot more attention. And the throw was the degree of difficulty was tough and I'm proud of that throw. And the and then the play against Detroit, the the Hail Mary. That one, you know, to for the ball to come out that way. It's one of those dream scenarios where, uh, you know, in other sports, it's, it's center, center, center of center of center of club face in golf, or around the label in baseball where you don't feel anything, or just that release in basketball where you just, it's just perfect, like that ball came off perfect and went as high as I possibly could throw it, and as far as I could throw it with that height. And then for Richie, to to come down without that and catch it. Again, if that, you know, if he doesn't catch it, it's just like, man, that was a pretty sweet throw. And then that's it. But instead, because he caught it, you know, that, that play goes down. Obviously, in my career, is one of the most special. There were other games where you get into a zone and uh, everything seems to come easy almost. The eyes yeah. in the back of your head and the movement is perfect and the ball's coming out around target. Those are fun. But so like what I said, the, the Oakland game, where I had a perfect QB rating, was not the best game I ever played. I think for me, there wasn't, you know, multiple multiple throws where I was like, Phew, that was, yeah, that was pretty good. It was just more like, yeah, I kind of did my job here. I threw an accurate ball there. I threw an accurate ball there. And bada bing, bada boom. You know, one hundred
1: percent, A plus. You have a one fifty
0: eight point three rating.
1: Which is the most arbitrary number ever. Totally so <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't they use 100? That would be silly. Um, what happens when it's on the other side? When you don't have a game where you feel like you played up to your potential and you feel bad or you feel uh, like you weren't your best self?
0: Just drink. Get hammered.
1: I mean Tirico tried to, try to get you to say that you would drink some of my wine, but you drink scotch.
0: I do. I mean you you know that, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, drink my wine. I do drink
0: enjoy scotch? your wine. We drink <laughs> your wine.
1: This is something that your ability is superhuman, for sure. Um, but sometimes there are still human games where mm-hmm. you make mistakes yeah. and, and so I think it's important for people to also, you know, cure how you deal with that. Like, how do you deal with Where's your mind go? What do you practice? what do you think about what do you do for the next you know six days until the next game? How do you get over it? How long does the like disappointment last? you know what's that like?
0: Well I think first you have to talk about the other side first just to give perspective. you know coming off a perfect game, I think the beauty is to is to be critical of that the same way you're critical of a of a really rough game you know where you throw interceptions you Mm. fumble the ball or you lose because of mistakes you made Um, you have to approach both of those the same way Mm. Um, and that goes for the media that you uh, that you choose to look at or don't look at it it cannot be all the positive on the great weeks and don't look at anything on the bad weeks for me it's really unless there's something that i need to see that that you know tom fanning sends me it's you know you don't look at much i don't look at hardly yeah i don't i mean i don't look at any of that when we win don't look at any of that when we lose you're like you lived it and that's the mindset yeah and that's the mindset it has to be you know you have a place for all that and the place is i'm critical of the wins i'm critical of the losses what i can do better how my attitude was out there how my leadership was what plays do I have to be smarter about? How my preparation was the, those weeks? What made it better than others? Um, I think you're always self-scouting. That's a you know, football term. But in life, you're always kind of self-scouting. You're kind of taking inventory on what's been working lately habitually. You know, like what habits have I been doing that work for me? What do I need to change? What would I like to do better? You know, I think that's just kind of a lifestyle. So when it's a lifestyle, that you know you don't get too high and low with the so you do the the same thing either way really yeah i mean i always say i hate losing more than i love winning and i really love winning so you hate the feeling but you have to find a spot for that feeling because
1: what do you mean find a spot like what what does that mean to you
0: it means deal with it and and put it in its place it can't be sticking with you okay compartmentalize yeah into the next week
1: so when's the first time you address it after a game because first, I mean, people well, should know talk to you're media. impressive after you get home from a game that doesn't go well. Or even when I've talked to you after a game that doesn't go well, you're like, eh, you know, whatever. All right, I'll be home. You know, you're able to compartmentalize seemingly to me really well or get over it really
0: well. Well, it's definitely not that I don't care. I mean, Of course. I no, care I, I know. So much. <laughs> I know. But I the just,
1: ability to sh- turn that off is, is well, it's impressive. The
0: balance. It's the balance. I think you have to have that balance. You know, it's You attitude. I don't think I'm talking like that to, you know, LaFleur or my teammates or yeah. Getzy or Hack, you know, like we're pretty honest about how I played, what we got to do better. You know, it's frustrating when you lose. It's great when you win, but there's still things to clean up all the time. Yeah, well,
1: there's probably no game that has more self-analyzation than football, I would think, as far as sports.
0: Well, they all do now. I mean, they all, they, they definitely all do now.
1: They don't have as many days to look at that film, though.
0: Well, they get to, they get to repeat pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Basketball plays two or three a week and baseball plays, you know, four or five a yeah. week and hockey plays two or three a week. So you have a chance to kind of rebound football, you have to sit with it for longer. So yeah you learn over the course of your career like how to Well in racing move on it was the or...
1: same. I mean racing was one weekend to the next and so, you know, there's always a saying like you're only as good as your last race. And you have to sit on that thought and that feeling for the for one from one week to the next. And I have for sure, as you know, my spirited attitude, I have for sure let a bad weekend slip into the next to the next and then all of a sudden you spiral out of control. Um, so I think it's harder to not have a game to come back to right away than it is to have to sit with it. But you do a really good job. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Just um, give me some cupcakes and some yeah, I make you cupcakes
1: we'll, when you come home, we'll only, we'll if you win, on only if you win though. Only if you win. I'm just kidding. You know, I just make you cupcakes anyway. I do vanilla cupcakes. Healthy cupcakes. Well, I try. So yeah, what um, health, fitness, uh, uh, you know, I love it. So, what has changed in the from meeting me? Let's say even we could go back further if you want. But like, what has changed, depth, health-wise, food-wise?
0: My friend Tim always teases me back when uh, I broke my foot in 06, and so it was the 07 offseason. I was following around the Santa Clara basketball team because two of my long, long-time friends were playing big minutes for them. And so me and my buddy Tim would you know, go to a bunch of games, and Tim as well was from Oregon. And he likes to bring up my fat days because I got on the scale <laughs> at uh, the WCC, the West Coast Conference Conference. Uh, Championship uh, in March. In, uh, what year was this? This was 2007. Kay. Yeah, I broke my foot. I had a okay. fifth metatarsal fracture. Yeah. And that scale number may have kicked past 240. Uh, whew. <laughs> <laughs> he loves to bring that up. But uh, 15, a lot changed. After the 15 season, I, I uh, had surgery on my knee and I decided to, during my rehab time, to Kind of cycle off dairy. Um, I've always had a major sweet tooth. I love um, just about anything sweet.
1: Breakfast for dinner, oh, yeah. waffles. Oh, of course. I mean, did it yeah. make you mad, my when I would judge the amount of peanut butter and maple syrup?
0: No, because I have a love affair with food, so nothing. So it's okay. You can't put a damper on it. Yeah.
1: Okay, it didn't make you feel bad, or I'm just no. trying to do my best duty to.
0: No, like I wanted to make some changes. I cut, you know, dairy out of my normal diet and um I'm in no way as strict as you are. You're way more disciplined than I am, but I've have found that you know, like you don't do any processed sugar. You don't do any dairy. You um cook love to cook at home all the time and you're a fantastic chef, obviously. But you, the products that you use, the types of vegetables and fruit, and and then the fact that you never have any cheat days <laughs> uh, <laughs> or meals, really.
1: How does that make you feel?
0: Uh, it's impressive. Oh, yeah, okay. it's impressive. <laughs> um, but that's definitely helped with, with my diet, and um, you know now.
1: What are the positive helped? Okay, well, what does that mean?
0: Well, I've gotten down to a weight that feels a lot more comfortable in my body. and my joints, you know, uh, being under 220 now for a, a number of years uh, has really, I think, helped me with my mobility and my knee pain and my swelling in my body and just the stuff you're eating. I think understand how much that affects your performance and different things can cause inflammation in the body. And inflammation, as we know, is is a killer, not just a... Uh, short-term, you know, frustrator of knees and ankles and limbs and joints. But, um, you know, that causes uh, disruption in cells that cause disease and cancers and different things and being mindful about the stuff you're eating and where it comes from and what type of organic it is. Is it real organic or is it...
1: Did you pay attention? Yeah, right. Did you pay attention to that before me or was that more from 2015 when things changed? Or was that me? 2015
0: was really just cutting out dairy. Yeah. And then... Uh You know, you help me read labels and be more aware of uh where it 's coming from, and then yeah. be more aware of uh what ads like I enjoy eating out you know I enjoy you know you know going out to dinner and having a big meal and reminding how some of those meals are cooked and the amount of butter that's used and fat and
1: yeah. For anyone listening, restaurants make all their food taste better through uh, sugar, salt. fat, salt, all of it, like fat, sugar, salt. You will always have way more salt. That's why when people eat at home, if they always eat out, they eat at home, they're like, it's not bland. It's like, yeah, because there's not a gallon of salt and sugar and fat on your food. And now you can eat like that if you want, but you're going to be fat and you're going to be unhealthy. And so
0: Unhealthy, for sure.
1: Well, you know, portions are, I mean, calories are king. You can eat, like, total shit and eat a 1,000 calories a day and lose weight. Yeah. For sure. But the problem is is you're not going to have very many bites when you're eating that way. Yes. Do you feel like it's helped for recovery? Because, I mean, it was a shocker to me to just see how beat up you really... I mean, and, and I feel bad saying that. Like, um, Like, how did I not know? But, you know because football players get hit all the time, but you you guys get beat up. And, I mean, you come home, and even games where you don't get hit, which happens every now and again where you don't get hit at all, you know, you can still feel, like, the aches and pains. But when you do get hit, I mean, mm. you know, I mean, looking at your legs, you have scabs all over the place from where you get <laughs> kicked, where you fall over, when someone stands on you probably, when – you know, I mean, there's the, you're always you're always dinged up. Do you think the food helps that?
0: I think so. Do yeah. You
1: notice a difference, or do you just think it works?
0: Well, I just think, I mean, as you get older, like uh, you're affected differently by some of the hits for sure. Um, so that plays a little bit of a factor, but I think the diet definitely definitely helps because you know I, I laugh a lot of stuff that you can see and really tangibly notice you know, look at the picture when I won the Super Bowl or picture of me as a young player to now, like, my face is super, like, full, fat, I would say.
1: When? Bloated,
0: then, then? yeah, Yeah. totally. I mean, like, my, if you look at, like, a history, and they did that at some point, on, like, the Packers' website, it's like, my headshot from, like, 05 (laughs) to now, and I'm like, oh, look, fat, 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 fat. Oh, see, see, (laughs) look at that skinny face now, you know? So are you happy
1: where you're at now, or would you um, still want to? No, no, no. I, I mean, out.
0: I, I definitely, look, I miss, uh, miss blizzards for sure from Dairy Queen, hundred percent. What kind? Uh, Oreo and Reese's peanut butter cup mix.
1: Mixed together.
0: Yeah, I miss you know going after gallons of ice cream. Gallons. I, oh yeah, I miss uh, Starburst jelly beans for dinner. Like
1: how much of ice cream have you ate in one sitting?
0: Oh, I mean, I could polish off a Dryer's you know half gallon for sure without a doubt, like it's nothing. I'd polish off a bag of Starburst jelly beans. Like, I, I loved sweets. Um, well, I don't, I'm
1: proud I don't, of you.
0: I don't miss, yeah, I don't miss uh, the way I felt. Um, and I do think it helps my performance, it helps my recovery, and I'm glad, you know, you're such a good cook and you enjoy doing it. Um, I do, you know, every now and then when you're gone, sneak in a couple, you know, cheat meals. But
1: well, the chocolate chips um, supply in the pantry goes way down if it's op- If the chocolate chip bag. But is see, open. they're healthy chocolate chips. <laughs> <right. You're not laughs> they, right. yeah. they are. They are dairy free. Yeah. They are like a vegan chocolate chip. I actually just think Enjoy Life chocolate chips are the best, anyway. But yeah, and the problem is though, babe, I go to make us cookies, and then there's no chocolate chips. And the bag is still there, but it's empty. The
0: best part is sometimes when you hide them and you think I'm not going to be able to find them. I do. But I do. You do.
1: Because I don't try real hard. They're just like behind the basket.
0: It's like I went in there one day, she was gone, and I wanted these. It's like these chunks. They're not like little chocolate chips. Yeah, they're, they're more like, like the bigger chunks. chunks. Yeah. Yeah. So I went in there. I knew it was a three-quarter bag minimum.
1: Like that's how much you were gonna yeah. eat? Yeah. No,
0: I'm, that was in there. Oh. There was okay. left. No. <laughs> Couldn't find it. I was like, she wouldn't have taken this. <laughs> so I walked out of there. <gasps> You're Twenty like, minutes think later. Like Danica. Twenty minutes later, I was thinking, I was like, she probably hit him. <laughs> she probably hit him. So I went it's back very in there. Oh God. And it's like not well lit back in the pantry. But, and I was like, kind of looking over. I was like, nope. Looking over here, now, I'm like, where would she have put them? Somewhere shorter, because she's tiny. <laughs> so then I found them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you a, did, yeah. I kind of raised them up in the pantry. You uh-huh. Know? Mm-hmm.
1: Like yeah, you so triumphant, like, I found them. It was very, them. very
0: triumphant. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad. And, you know, I am a little stubborn, too, that I don't like to cook two meals. <clears throat> hmm? I'm just stubborn, period. Sorry, let me mm-hmm. rephrase that better. I'm really stubborn, and in the stubbornness, I t- don't like to cook two meals, so I'm grateful that you like my food and you eat it. Otherwise, you'd be hungry. Um, I just want to totally change subjects and get off of that and just ask something fun. We were talking about fun things, though, because blizzards are fun, right? Yeah. Hiding the chocolate chips are fun. Mm-hmm. But what other things do you like to do for fun?
0: Uh, I I really enjoy uh, stuff we've talked about. I enjoy watching Jeopardy. I enjoy reading. I enjoy doing crosswords. Um, I really enjoy being out in nature. Um, I like traveling. You know, we've been in some fun Where's fun your spots. favorite
1: place we've gone?
0: Oh, I don't know. There's been some fun trips. I mean, the Dalai Lama trip was so much fun. You know, doing the safari, doing the outreach, meeting the Dalai Lama, being with amazing folks on the plane. You know, we talked about it, just the conversations and yeah. and learning and, Lama T, you know, and all his great wisdom, um, but uh, New when Zealand. When he told
1: me I should write a book called *The Speed of Consciousness*.
0: hmm They haven't written fun. it yet. Written it yet? Yeah.
1: It? He was doing his little spiel's in the back of the plane, telling us all about the the Lama life. Yeah. Lama perspective.
0: I like New Zealand. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, we talked about that. That's coming back from there. It's like, yeah, I could, I could live there. Be, I know. It's such a great...
1: We both said that.
0: Great country, north and south, you know, a lot of really great people, beautiful sights. You let you know, you know let us go to Hobbiton the one day, which was amazing.
1: Help facilitate Hobbiton. I had a good time. Yeah. I mean, look, but you're not just a because you're, not because a Lord you're Lord into kids' Rings. movies doesn't mean I judge
0: you much. Just because you had a jilted childhood <laughs> and didn't watch any kids' movies. Don't. That's
1: true. I did yeah. not watch kids' movies. I don't even like cartoons. Like, I'm not a cartoon. You know that, like. It's just not interesting. We watched Scooby-Doo growing up, but that was about it. And she if anyone remembers She-Ra.
0: Nobody does. I know. But New Zealand, for sure. So traveling and hiking and love golf as well. I enjoy, enjoy golf. Oh, yeah, Golf's golf. a good escape. Love uh, love the ocean, you know, water being around the ocean or lakes. You know, Lake Tahoe a fun trip in the summer and
1: Super fun. Yeah. Cold lake, but beautiful weather.
0: Refreshing? What do we say? Cold?
1: No, I I, did, I jumped in once. You saw me.
0: Yeah.
1: Went out on the dock, jumped head first.
0: Refreshing. Tahoe plunge.
1: You are, I mean, you might be a California boy, but you're, the Wisconsin weather has conditioned you.
0: 15 years will do that.
1: Do you think your mind has, con, do you think you're, you're mentally conditioned or physically?
0: 100%. as, those great folks know up there. We are just better at dealing with it right here. Nobody truly... We?
1: I was born in Wisconsin, dude. But
0: you haven't lived there 15 years. I'm talking with my constituents up there in beautiful...
1: <laughs> I left home when I was 16, so I went... Beautiful win.
0: state of Wisconsin. We are better at dealing with it. We are. I don't think anybody walks outside on a negative 10 day and goes, oh, That's it. look at this. This is amazing. I think they go out there and go. You can't break me. You can't break me weather.
1: Would you rather have um, seasons or always be in 74 and sunny?
0: So when I was a young player, uh, I remember somebody was talking about how they, you know, just love the four seasons of Wisconsin so much and how do you you know, you must not enjoy seasons. I said being from California, I said I said no. I said I love I love California, and I love the seasons too. I said, California just eliminates the seasons I don't like. The cold ones.
1: Being from the Midwest, you know what I used to say? Well, where would I go for a vacation then? That's what I told myself. So that the, I live in bad weather so I can go on vacation. It wouldn't be very special if I lived in it all the time. Well,
0: That's the thing, you've never, you've, you've never been a cold weather vacation person. No. Because when you grow up in California, vacation doesn't have to mean beach. It can mean mountains.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. you know it's different when you live in the Midwest. Yeah. When you think of vacation, you're like, yeah, where's the warmth?
0: Yeah, we have a snowbirds heading down yeah. to Florida and Arizona.
1: Yeah, Babe, we can't escape this whole conversation without talking about aliens. We can't. And you had an alien encounter.
0: I did not have an alien encounter. What?
1: You told me you had an encounter and you I talked to I never
0: said no. I said I had, I said I've had some UFO.
1: I oh yeah, that's the same alien. thing. That's just as exciting. It doesn't have to
0: be the same thing. Could be government secret programs.
1: Could be totally yeah. based on alien think, technology.
0: Yeah, alien, maybe, or maybe just super technology that we don't okay. know about.
1: I would like to have you refresh my memory of the story when you saw something in the sky that was not normal.
0: Yes. I was in New Jersey. I was with a dear friend, uh, who has backed me up publicly on this story after I told it on the, on the uh, "You Make It Weird" podcast with Pete Holmes. Um, it was midnight. We heard an alarm. We went outside. It was a beautiful, snowy night, um, and in the sky we saw something moving through the clouds. That the only reference that makes sense for people who've seen Independence Day is that scene when the spaceship is coming through the atmosphere and the airplanes coming toward it and it's just kind of a moving orange object, that's what it was in the sky.
1: Moving at a high-speed, low-speed?
0: Well, it was moving at a, not a high-speed, it was, it was just so large um, and unnatural. It was unnatural. 100%. It wasn't like, oh, well, you saw, you know, some 747 that was, no, this was tremendous size and moving left to right, glowing orange like fire, and we were just all frozen. It was me and uh, my buddy and his brother, just frozen. And it goes out of sight, Can't kind of look at each other. What in the hell was that? And then nobody spoke. Because if everybody's ever been in a moment where something happens that's so shocking, uh, for me personally, maybe not for you because you're a talker, but for me words are useless. good, right? I'm trying to, trying, trying to keep my mouth yeah. shut over here. Yeah, they're useless in that situation because <clears throat> you don't even know what you saw. How do you even describe it? And so there's that moment, this 30 seconds of like, and then before we could say anything, fighter jets. Have You ever been to a flyover uh, or an air show? You know what that sounds like. And I've been in the league a long time and seen flyovers and been to air shows as a kid. You, and seen Top Gun, like you know what that sounds like, right? There's four of them, you know. And then nothing. We turn the news on, nothing. Check the papers the next day, nothing. Now, there was another alarm that went off, so that's what triggered us, because I was up in my room about to go to sleep and heard this kind of alarm noise in the distance, obviously, came downstairs. We mm. all did. So then we finally started settling down a half hour later, 1 a.m., the alarm goes off again. So I'm like, "Whoa, oh, shit, what is it? So we run downstairs, nothing. We wait out there for 20 minutes, nothing. You know? Hmm. So after that, you know, I don't know how you can be, not be changed. I didn't really ever talk about it a whole lot <clears> to just a small group of people, but I started doing when my When was own. it? What year was this? This was 2005, February, that was a long January, time ago. February. Yeah. Um, and so you just started certain research, and and also we found out that that was the alarm at the uh, nuclear plant. Close, oh. Close they by. usually so there's a lot of there's usually there's a lot, lot of, of
1: nuclear activity and and
0: that's when I did the research later on. Together. You find that. There are a number of UFO sightings uh, near uh, nuclear power plants and different things um, like that. So that was, you know. Theory. So do you believe in aliens? I don't know how you can. I mean, aliens is, is an evolving term, thankfully, because people just think of little green men or E.T. or whatever. Like, I don't believe that... Uh, we're alone in this universe. Yeah. If there's billions and billions of galaxies. It's not, How that doesn't make any sense.
1: Ridiculous and um, cocky is it to think that we're the only species in the world? Like we're the only human human. We're the only beings in the world. I think it's ridiculous.
0: It, it's not logical to me. But I mean, I grew up in a in the churches that would say that the Earth is twelve to fifteen thousand years old, which is also ridiculous and you know that there's nothing going on here
1: and how would it change our world if we knew there was other other beings what do you think would
0: happen you would definitely question uh people's beliefs for sure especially the organized religion that, that doesn't really have space for uh for aliens because you know this is you know god created the earth uh god created man this is all there is. There's nothing else out there because it's not in the Bible or it's not. But mm. many people would say that there are references to otherworldly, other racial, not I mean, meaning not human race, like other alien type imagery and words found in the Bible. Um, they're obviously all over ancient uh, cultures and hieroglyphs and statues and paintings and writings sure
1: the things they're holding the things they're wearing the suits they're wearing
0: that stuff is all fascinating to me and i think that um you know there's a lot of people interested in it you know shows like ancient aliens sure and the one that we watch.
1: Uh, oh yeah, that was fun. The um, blue, blue, blue book project. Blue book, blue book. project. Blue book. Is that on FX maybe or something? Yeah, but there's. It was lot about of... real scenarios that had happened, and then they recreated the show about. There's
0: definitely some some cover up has gone on. Yeah. Roswell and.
1: Well, you, like you said, it takes Area down 51. religion, but it also takes down government too, because when that kind of thing's been concealed by by someone obviously if it has been and then if you look at the religious side where you know it doesn't leave room for that kind of thing the whole house of cards falls down
0: yeah i don't i mean it's obviously about the them. end
1: of the world as we know it according to the bible why did, so i mean when i was younger i would like think that oh my god the world's gonna end but when you really think about the words a little differently you go oh the world as we know it hmm, oh this could be different
0: yeah, it's the end of the world, as we know it. I feel fine.
1: All right, enough about aliens. I'm going to ask you questions. These are going to be fun. So these come from, like, close people. This wasn't some Instagram, ask me, send me your questions for Aaron. This is, this is in-house.
0: Mm. Okay. okay. You ready? I guess.
1: When did you realize you could grow such a badass mustache?
0: I was at the draft in 05 and all I had was the flavor saver and I took uh, <laughs> took some heat for it um, didn't uh, you know the right here yeah oh
1: yeah, yeah I got I it I uh, got it didn't uh, So you didn't think it looked good
0: yeah I didn't get a lot of confidence about it you, other people didn't think well it I always wanted a mustache I grew up you know Tombstone was one of my all-time favorite movies you know you got Kurt Russell has a badass mustache in that uh, Paxton has a mustache in that. Fowl's uh, mustache is not as great, Val Kilmer, please not yeah. Holiday. But he's a badass in the movie. His lines are the best. And then you got the goat, Sam Elliott, with a stash. I grew up watching that movie. And, and, you know, my dad had a mustache growing up. So I um, always thought they were funny. And then I think early into, you know, maybe 07. 06, no, 06, I grew it out in training camp. I was like, oh,
1: when did you have the long hair? Good.
0: I started growing in 06, I broke my foot and cut it. Then I uh, grew it from November 06 until June of 07. It's a good flow.
1: It was a good flow. Longer than yours, probably. Yeah, now since I cut it, thanks to you and your confidence that it would look good. Uh, what would your uh, final meal be? Or as it's written Sorry, in the June question, of death row meal. June of 08. June of 08, you knew you could have a badass mustache?
0: No, that's when I grew my hair out. Good. Sorry. Do you
1: question. have any more to elaborate on the mustache? It's pretty iconic and epic. Uh,
0: I always said, as a young person in my 20s, that mustaches, if you are under 35, then your mustache needs to have some sort of um, brevity. Brevity. Uh, joke to it um
1: well, you've passed that now pretty much
0: so. yeah so now it, it's a little creepy at times but i do enjoy it
1: mm. i think it's funny
0: yeah i think i think the creepy goes away when it covers the top lip as well then it's totally cowboy sam elliott kurt russell agreed yeah just like a weird pencil one's kind of weird
1: yeah good call uh death row meal final meal
0: Papa's Bravas from Chives with that sauce.
1: Wow, and you eat that weekly.
0: Oh, I love it. It's amazing. I'm going to have to go in Dallas when we won the Super Bowl. That Tuesday after we had um, Media Day, I went out to dinner with Chad Clifton and Brett Good, and had this pork chop that they brought to the table and it was on fire to start. And... I think I'm a little biased because we're at the Super Bowl, I was with two of my buddies, but that meal that was I mean It was it in was Dallas. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Were you still in Dallas or were you gone? We're
0: in Dallas, yeah. Okay. And then, you know, gotta finish it off with a blizzard for sure. A blizzard?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Or cupcakes. A blizzard and cupcakes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm sure they make a cupcake blizzard. Yeah. Like little chunks of cake in it.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to want three desserts. I'm going to want a blizzard, half and half. I'm going to want some cupcakes, just white on white, white frosting.
1: Would you go with standard, like all, like the normal, or would you want like a healthier version?
0: I'll I'll take your healthy ones. Really? Because I'm going to add in the third dessert, which is a pie from Jordy Nelson's grandma. Oh. I'm going to put that in there as well. What kind of pie is it? I mean, the Butterfinger or Snickers it's and I'm and I'm not sharing
1: you don't have to you're gonna die it's okay <laughs> um game day routine
0: uh like at the stadium yeah I like to get in early um put my early means like at least three hours for the game and put my Put my jersey on my pads. Put up on my top, on my locker. Put my pads in my pants. Hang that up. Make sure my cleats have new cleats in them, and they're ready. Maybe read the program for a little bit if there's an article. And then kind of get my tunes going. And then study the plan a little bit. Maybe do a crossword. Kind of go back and forth between that. Though you know, studying the plan, doing a crossword, just vibing out, listening to music and then do some stretching routines. I always get stretched between 35 and like 25 minutes before we go out for pregame warm-ups by LeVat, our strength coach, Mark LeVat, and then uh, go through some breathing stuff on the sidelines during the anthem and during uh, before the first drive, and then away we go.
1: What does that mean, breathing routines?
0: Yeah, I like to do uh, some... Uh, um, breathing routines that help to slow down my heart rate and ease mm. and calm. are they counted? Yeah. So it's a it's a, an inhale, a hold, and an exhale. Um, and that's that feels yep. like a I settle yeah. in. I kinda of shake out any um, out my toes and my fingertips, any uh, any negative energy and away we go.
1: It's tough. Um favorite household chore dishes what's your least favorite
0: uh probably cleaning up throw up
1: <laughs> well i'm sorry cuz these dogs throw up every now and again um what's something that would keep you up at night what keeps you up at night and this isn't like a dogs barking this is a mind thing like what keeps you up at night what doesn't allow you to shut down uh, I'm reading between the lines, by the way. This It just says what keeps you up at night.
0: I just think I have an active mind, and I like to think about uh, a lot. There's a lot going on, and um, not being able to silence the thoughts will keep me up. Yeah, so it it's won't the be like, thoughts that we're all curious I about. I know, but it won't be like a specific thing. It's not like mm. one specific thing. It could be like... Conversation from that day, and what do I got to do tomorrow, and what I got to do this week, and what I want to accomplish here, and what's going to be my generous thing for this day, and you mm. know, just it could be, who knows, but just just okay. the active mind. Then it's usually it's usually a to-do list. So I either draw out my to-do list or I have a mental to-do list, and I will remind myself at nighttime a lot of times, like when you wake up. Remember this. Remember that. So instead of like putting in my phone, I will just do a mental.
1: Yeah, because that's everybody does that. They just mm. put a mental list together. Yeah. But you don't really have a hard time falling asleep when you go to bed. No. You pretty much are out like a light. Yeah. I mean, I when, fall asleep when the on the couch. Question, you fall asleep in bed quickly.
0: Yeah. When the mental, when the initial question came in, without your own interpretation of it, yeah. I would have said, you know, a movie, and it could be a movie I've seen a hundred times. It could be The Big Lebowski, or it could be Tombstone. Um, that comes on, okay, I guess I'll watch this again.
1: Well, we'll check with Brooke what she really meant by that question. Okay. My sister.
0: Thanks, Brooke.
1: Three things you can't wait to do when you retire.
0: Ski, skydive. That's tough to say. I don't know. You know, I, I do most of the stuff I want to do. Now, there's things that, that obviously I don't want you to do, but that really don't make sense for me as well. Um, like, I loved playing basketball. I don't think, man, I can't wait to play basketball again when I'm done. I just don't play. Like yeah. um, I don't have a desire to be out there and run around. I like shooting, just yeah. stationary hoops. Um, but there's not a ton of things that I don't do that I, I really want to do. I just think it's more having time. Yeah. Like I love I love this uh, the structure. I mean, I think anybody in the league um, you love it, and then when you're off season, you just enjoy not having the structure. And then at some point, it kind of creeps back in. You're like, man, I kind of yeah. I kind of miss having something I got to do every day. Yeah. Um, I believe that goes away at some point. You know. The monotony of training camp, um, it will be nice to, um, to not have that anymore and to have your body feeling good again. That's what I look forward to. I look forward to my body really feeling, feeling good and everything healing up from years of uh, car crashes every week.
1: I agree. I know what you mean. Uh, one thing you want to do before you die. I feel like, well, yeah, maybe one thing you want to do before you die.
0: I don't know. I mean, I don't really think about that. I think about stuff I want to do, but I don't think about the death part. I mean, I want to travel. That's the big thing. I want what is to the tra-
1: most important thing that you want to accomplish in your life? Connection. It's connection. Um, somewhere, somewhere you want to go, like somewhere that you for sure want to go in your life. Egypt. We connected on that. See, that's kind of the speaking of, a, of connection. Yeah. We totally connected on that when we, when we first started talking about places that yeah, we wanted see, to go. Yeah, see that,
0: and that's you know what that's okay. Let me now that you remind me of that. Before I die, I would like to stand between the positive things. Good one. That's actually been mine for about five years now. But yes,
1: is it kind of get into me a little bit? Because keeping. And they came from internal internal people like my sister. Favorite things about Danica.
0: I mean, I've said a few of them. Cooking, you're amazing, amazing cook, and you your discipline is inspiring because it is crazy. Now I have some good discipline when it comes to food too, but that's more like fasting, intermittent fasting, yeah, not which you struggle with. But the uh,
1: I wake up hungry
0: yeah but that the health part is very inspiring i mean your your work ethic is inspiring you're you know you put your mind to something you're gonna do it like you whether it's a workout or you know whether it's a idea that's pretty impressive um and then you know your overall curiosity you know you're just very inter- you're interested in a lot of stuff and if you don't understand it you want to know more about it you don't shut down you've got a an open mind in the best sense, where you, the best open mindedness does not include an immediate uh, reaction. It's more of a, oh, I'd like to know more about that. Yeah. Instead of, oh, that's bullshit, or oh, I don't believe that. You know? Right, right.
1: Thank you. Um, how has Danica changed your life? <laughs>
0: I can't have as many cheat days, since for sure. <laughs> so um, many recurring themes. That's the biggest way. Uh, and then now, you know, we got a couple couple dogs hanging out all the time. That's been, that's been fun. They're good dogs. They are good dogs, and they make life better. What was, what was the question? I feel like I'm missing the
1: point. How has Danica changed your life?
0: Oh, yeah. So from a practical standpoint, yeah, dogs, no cheat days. Um, from a, you know, emotional standpoint, I think you're a very steady person, you know, so that, that's been nice to have a steady, steady, uh, energy, you know, like energetically, I think you have a steadiness about you, you know, and you know who you are, and that brings even more calm to the house, which, you know me, I'm always about calm and energetic, uh, cohesiveness and peace. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're a peacemaker. And if Sometimes there isn't, you fight I'm, for it, but you're a peacemaker. That's
1: right. I fight for peace. And if there isn't peace, then you just burn some sage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and Palo Santo.
0: And write poetry.
1: <laughs> write poetry. Uh, have you picked up any driving tips from me? No. I mean... You're a really good driver.
0: Fantastic driver.
1: I mean, you know how to turn an apex exit at the corner. Like, what do I always
0: tell you? You may have been a professional race car driver, but I'm a professional in-street driver. Yeah, you're, you, Highway driver. You I've seem gone, to not
1: think there's carryover between
0: I've 20, driving the car. I've gone 20 years.
1: Without a ticket?
0: Without a speeding ticket. Yeah,
1: that's not something to be proud of if you're talking about being a badass on the road.
0: It means you just understand how to drive... Over the speed limit without getting pulled over.
1: It's true. You don't drive slow, but you, if you haven't had many tickets, it is impressive.
0: Safely. Drive safely.
1: You do drive pretty safely. I haven't
0: initiated an accident in my driving career as well.
1: I think I've scared people. I think they probably shit their pants sometimes. And they lay on their horn when I do things. I'm like, I'm not hurting you. So maybe I caused an accident. I hope not. Stay in your lane. Rage. Uh, hidden talents.
0: Hidden talents.
1: I mean, I feel like we covered some interesting stuff with your intelligence and like crosswords and that kind of thing, Jeopardy. But
0: I can sing talents. a mean "Winds of Change" by Scorpions.
1: Karaoke, you do love karaoke. I do. Did it hurt when I scored a hundred that one night on Bohemian Rhapsody, and you didn't score a hundred? For a long time?
0: It was skewed. Did you score
1: 100 that night? I think you did one. It was
0: definitely skewed that night. On the right. machine at the house, there's been two 100s ever.
1: And they're yours? Obviously.
0: No, Sarah had one of them.
1: She's a good singer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, anything you're not good at?
0: Yeah, I'm terrible at badminton.
1: Oh. Well, that's life-changing. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, not good at badminton. I tried wakeboarding when I was in high school. I was terrible at it. Um, Tried surfing before. I'd like to try that again and be good at that, but not good at that.
1: Your CG's a little high. Center of gravity. Thank
0: you. Mm -hmm. I understood that.
1: Can anyone hang with you in Jeopardy?
0: Oh... Cheech Marin. Cheech has won Celebrity Jeopardy a number of times.
1: Cheech like Cheech and Chong.
0: Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Cheech, I think Cheech could for sure. Um, and everybody that won, I watched you know the other Celebrity Jeopardy episodes from my year a few years ago, and everybody that won was pretty smart.
1: Obviously, uh, I wasn't on there. Um, pre-game playlist. Maybe even just name some artists. Yeah, your pregame playlist is different than people
0: yeah, would probably expect. It's kind of all over the place. You got Lord Huron on there. You got Bon Iver, Naco, Trevor Hall, uh, John Bryant. Um, it's a lot of stuff I've been listening to lately. The old favorites, you know, I love uh, Counting Crows, of course, Pearl Jam. Nirvana, Foo Fighters, you know, those are always on there, um, but I'll mix it up, you know, I'll do some Pandora sometimes, you know, I was, last year I was on a kick, a ton of uh, Johnny Cash.
1: Oh yeah, I like get, Johnny Cash.
0: Yeah, there's a couple songs.
1: A Boy Named Sue. Yeah, <laughs> I love really that song. that one. You've not heard that song?
0: Of course I've heard that song. Oh, okay. Yes, That's I, my
1: favorite Johnny Cash song. Yeah,
0: and I know the you know, the Swingers reference. Have you seen the Swingers? My name
1: is Sue. how do you do? Sorry, yeah. I was having a moment. Okay. But it's your question.
0: I'm trying to think of what other bands I need to...
1: You listen to chill music, that was the point. Yeah, relaxing music, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Which is funny, I've always been like that too with everything. I especially when I was younger, when I would go running or work out, I would listen to Nora Jones. Like I would be listening to, I felt like my mind. Not
0: anymore though. Huh? Not anymore.
1: Well, I do have a workout playlist.
0: Yeah, it's all rap.
1: But the rest of the time, which, you know, we mostly don't, we mostly listen to music. We don't even watch TV, unless it's sports. And I was surprised when you you were home alone and I'm like, what do you like when I'm not at home? And you said, well, I can watch whatever I want. I'm like, well, what do you watch? And you said, I watch sports. And I'm like, that's all we watch at home is sports. You're like, yeah, but I watch all sports.
0: Golf. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to subject you to watching golf unless, you know, Jerry Kelly's playing or, it'll make you watch a lot of golf.
1: I I don't mind golf.
0: I'm just saying. Or soccer. It's when you you start watching like the lower
1: levels of like, not the top level of sports and you start watching high school stuff that I'm like, yeah. I don't watch
0: high school stuff.
1: Maybe not, but something like it you College, do. maybe. Uh, best concert. Ever.
0: I'll give you a top three. Even better. We saw Naco and Trevor Hall at Red Rocks. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know, that one, I love both of them as artists. They're just fantastic. And then the venue just puts it over the top. Yeah, I saw Tegan and Sarah and Death Cab at the Hollywood Bowl. And, again, I, I've enjoyed Tegan and Sarah's music since my best friend Joey introduced me to them. You know, in like 2000 and who knows, two, three? Um... But that venue, and they played with the LA Philharmonic behind them, the orchestra, oh, wow. and that concert was unbelievable. And then, 2009 at the rave in Milwaukee, which is a great venue for music, the Killers did a standing room only show, mm. and this is when they were rolling. And their CD, their big CD, had just they, come out, did a big they record. Us?
1: Oh yeah, I flailed around to that song in the like mid two thousand, early mid two thousands, two thousand six seven ish. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I remember. Okay.
0: And I went with some of my teammates, and that show was just unbelievable. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Any show where you know all the stuff, you know, like. Yeah. Foo Fighters. I mean, I love those guys. Their shows incredible. They're you know, incredible just, incredible musicians. Oh, and I've you know, seeing Eddie Vedder was unbelievable because, you know, his his the the Wild soundtrack is I could listen to that on repeat over and over and over and over again. But those two venues, I think, and then just with those three venues, really it's all about the venues. You oh, know, yeah. I saw Pearl Bold, Jam at Red Rock at Bradley Center, I saw Foo Fighters in Madison before and saw them one at a time and but those venues are just yeah. so iconic, yeah. you know, to watch a, to watch them in Red Rocks and the Bowl and Hollywood right. and then the rave the standing well, room Well, it's moment, the energy
1: it's like, too, right? Yeah. We talked about energy a long time ago in this conversation and there's an energy to those spaces too, especially like a place like, I didn't go to the other ones with you, but Red Rocks I went with you and just like being in the mountain, like in the mountain and the positive vibes, like
0: yeah, totally. it, makes,
1: it makes a difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen Stevie Nicks and prince before he passed was unbelievable and you know brad paisley is incredibly talented puts on a great show um but those three are incredible
1: talent you can play the guitar and i know you tried to tell you say the other day that you're not very good but you can play the guitar
0: i can strum i can finger pick ben harper love ben harper
1: he might have been playing Ben Harper guitar.
0: Well, I met yeah, I'm, yeah, I met him and <laughs> sent him a thank you, and he sent me a guitar. He's he's awesome.
1: I mean, you just one chord, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Ben Harper. You're great. You're a great musician, and you're a good singer, and you're self-taught. Impressive. Um, all right, best non-football sporting event. Favorite.
0: Kentucky Derby.
1: Oh, yeah, Yeah, that's right. How many years in a row now?
0: Eleven.
1: what's funny is the first year you went was the only year I've gone. What was that, 2006? Seven? Eight?
0: Eight, probably.
1: Yeah, eight. Hello. Math, bad for me. Good for you. All right. These last three questions are from uh, Brooks Girls. They're from Reese and Jordan. Okay. Why are you such a knucklehead?
0: Because I'm stubborn.
1: <laughs> that's a nice answer. Thank you. I mean, just for answering it for real. You are stubborn. That's, that's a good okay. question. Yeah. Why are you? There are a couple of
0: knuckleheads, though. <laughs> uh,
1: favorite candy.
0: Oh man. Again, I don't really eat any candy anymore, unfortunately. But uh, Starburst jelly beans, or the Starburst. Fave reds, all the reds, Mm. fantastic. Reese's peanut butter cup, anytime, the big cup where Mm. it's mostly peanut butter. Yeah. I used to, you know, I used to go to the gas station and I would get king-size Reese's and a Mm -hmm. purple crush, grape crush.
1: Oh, wow, just a sugar rush. Oh. Um, Why is your mustache so huge?
0: I got good surface area. Good Yeah, you know, between my lip and nose. And then I enjoy growing it out over the top lip and every now and then the bottom lip. But uh, it's a gift. Yeah.
1: Well, I find it fascinating to ask people uh, what your greatest life lessons have been. So I'm going to ask you too.
0: Greatest life lessons. Whew, I mean, I feel like I've had a lot of them lately. Yeah. In the past five or six years, I think a lot of it just revolves around being yourself. You know, I think society and this culture, I think, sets up a lot of stuff um, that's fake. You know, social media is rooted in filters and our best self you're not going to put shitty stuff out there. You know, you're know. you not right. going to put f- stuff that, like, real struggles out there. Right. And I think that's teaching society that, it's not teaching them how to deal with adversity. It's just that everything's always hunky-dory, and don't ever be mad about anything, and don't ever always put your best side forward, and you know, because you never want anybody to judge you, and dealing with criticism, and just all this stuff wrapped into... Uh, people not knowing who they are, or just not being comfortable being themselves, being flawed and having scars, you know, emotional scars, wounding. And I think that was the biggest thing. I remember, you know, a mentor of mine when I was younger told me the the greatest challenge is loving yourself, ultimately, and being comfortable with who you are. And that's just something that's, that's... that rings true for me throughout my life. And I think even more lately is uh, over the last you know half decade is just being comfortable with who I am and loving myself and enjoying all the things about me that make me me, the quirky things, the talent, the insecurities, the struggles, uh, the process, the evolution, and understand that's what makes me who I am. And thats it's through the flaws and the frustrations and the struggles that, that the strength emerges and the greatness emerges because we all have greatness inside of us. It's just trusting that and enjoying that and stirring that up and just being authentic. You know, that's what this country and this world needs more of is authenticity from people and less fakeness and less bullshit. You know, just people being raw, and being okay with it. and yeah, That's, I think, the greatest life lesson. Because in my own sport, guys never respond when it's contrived, and when it's fake, unoriginal. And guys respond when it's real, when it's raw emotion, when it's real tears, when it's real love, when it's real compassion when it's real connection moments. Good reminder, you know, there's a lot of parallels between real life and football. You know, a lot of life lessons you can learn in football about dealing with people and setting aside your ego and being a part of something bigger than yourself. And, you know, how important doing the work is and being able to work with other people and inspiration and being self-motivated. So football has taught me a lot about life. But the greatest lesson that life and football continues to teach you is how can you expect people to feel love from you when you don't love yourself, when you're not comfortable with who you are, confident. So start with that.
1: How far along are you on that?
0: Oh, no, I mean, that's a process for sure, but that's part of the process. But I... I think it's a lot of that's been the coming out of uh, you know some of the thoughts and ideologies from your childhood. I think that's that's so normal and natural, and it's mm-hmm. not a uh, a shot against any of that. I'm so thankful for the lessons I learned growing up um, because if I didn't learn them and in that order and that specific teaching and style, there's no way I'd be sitting here today because I would have been. I would have been different but because as I grew in awareness and consciousness and learning um, you I had you naturally questioned the things and the the beliefs that you've had and the agreements you've made with yourself and your surroundings and without that upbringing and that knowledge as a kid there's no way I would have figured started to figure things out. Yeah, thank you. I love you. I love you too. Good job. Good job. Keep (laughs) it up.
1: Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. And also, thank you so much, Trevor Hall, for the awesome music. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.